series of sermons called The Price. The Price. You know, everything in life has a price. Worship has a price. The presence of God has a price. The glory of God has a price. Today, in a few minutes, I'm going to talk about the price of freedom. Next week, we're going to talk about the price of holiness. Two weeks from now, we're going to talk about the price of obedience. And we're going to end the month by talking about the price of sacrifice. I'm going to tell you something. If you're not willing to pay the price, you can't get in the show. If you're not willing to pay the price, you can't get in the show. We live in a day and age where we're living our life for eternity. We live our life looking for that meeting in the air. We're looking for the second coming of Christ. We're looking for the time that we can commune with him so we can be and bask in his glory. We can be in his presence. But the problem is we think that if we get in the crowd, we can get shuffled into heaven, and it don't work that way, honey. You've got to pay the price. The price has to be met. Now, i got good news for you. You don't have to be the one to pay the big price. Christ did that. Christ paid the price. But that doesn't mean you don't have responsibility. That don't mean that you don't have requirements. We don't like to preach about those kind of things. In the modern age, we want everything to be easy and and, and breezy, and we don't want to have to struggle, and we don't want to have to give up anything, and we want to do whatever we want to do. We want our life to be in charge, and we want to just skate through and let somebody else pick up the tab, and we'll just go to heaven and be fine. But I got news for you, it don't work that way. There is a price for everything. Today we're going to talk about the price of freedom. Open your Bibles with me today. Romans chapter 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. I'm reading from the, from the uh, New King James Version of the Bible, and this is what it says. It says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer, live any longer in it? Or do you not know as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore, we are buried with him through baptism into death. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been united together in likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. 
Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Likewise also, excuse me, likewise you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you right now. Lord, I pray that you would reach down. Lord, I want you to send your victory. I want you to send your power. I want you to send your anointing, your grace, and your peace. Lord, show us the price that we need to pay so we can walk in your freedom and in your power. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Paul, writing to the Romans, begins to talk about being alive in God, being free, being free to live in the power and in the freedom and the mercy of Jesus Christ. Oh, there is nothing like the freedom of God. The freedom of God allows us to, to, to step outside of our normal world. Then, hopefully you wasn't looking around, but some of you were. Do you notice what happened when we got lost in the freedom of worship? There were people bowing down. There were people laying down. There were people clapping, people shouting, people crying. Why? We wasn't all doing the same things. But we were had a freedom. We could step outside of what everybody else was doing. We could step outside what was going on around us. And we could just bask in the glory of God with freedom and power and anointing. But what does it take to get there? I'm going to be honest with you. Some of you need to know that. Some of you need to listen. Because in the midst of that worship service where some are walking in freedom, others are bound in their seat not knowing what to do. Let me tell you something, church. We've got to find the price of freedom. The first thing that Paul writes here, he says, what shall we say then? He's been talking about the grace of God. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Are we free to sin? What can we say? Do we keep on sinning so that God's grace can be seen? See, our problem is we believe too many times that God's grace and God's freedom means we can do anything we want. Somewhere we got a bad attitude of what freedom really is. Freedom doesn't mean you can do whatever you want. Freedom means that you have freedom in your life to obey the rules. This last week we celebrated the 4th of July. Last night they shook the walls in my house with fireworks. Boom, boom. We... 
I loved it. I, I was out in the street watching it, but but Beth was stuck in the house with the dog. <laughs> we celebrate the freedom of this country. But somehow, most of us can understand what freedom in our country means, but we don't understand what freedom in the church means. Does freedom in our country mean that you can go out and do whatever you want to do? You know, it's been several years ago now, but I was, several years ago, I was driving down the highway in Texas, and I was only passing a few of the cars. And all of a sudden, the car that was following me had lights come on in his grill. He didn't have lights on the top. They were hid down in his grill. And he pulled me over, and he says, you know why I pulled you over? I said, well, I'm guessing I was going a little fast. This was back in the days of 55-mile-an-hour speed limits. He said, I paced you. He didn't clock me. He paced me. He said, I paced you at 75 in a 55. But you know what I said? I did. You know what I should have said? Let me not lie. You know what I should have said? Oh, but in 1776, we signed the Declaration of Independence, and we're a free country. That cop would have said, yes, and I'm free to give you a ticket. And he did. A big one. You see, I understand that freedom doesn't mean that I can go drive as fast as I want to drive. Ain't that right, Howard? Freedom. Freedom in our country doesn't mean that when I need money, all I got to do is go down to the bank and say, I live in America and we're free, so give me the money. No, it don't work that way. But yet in the church world, somehow we believe that. Somehow we have come to believe that because we say a little bedtime prayer that we've got the right to go do whatever we want to do. That's not what freedom is. Freedom is the ability to let the old man die. Freedom is about understanding I still got rules to follow. Paul says, what then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may abound? And then in verse 2 he says, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live in it any longer? And then he begins to go in to an attitude of what the price of freedom is. The price? Yeah. There is no freedom without death. Paul begins to talk here about how that we have been joined together with Christ in baptism. In the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, we have been joined together with Him. The old man has to die. Because Christ died. Do you understand there's no hope for freedom without the death of Jesus Christ? 
There is no hope for freedom without the crucifixion and burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is his power. It is his authority. It is his strength that gave us freedom. But the price that we have to pay is we've got to die with him. Our problem is we're fine with Jesus dying. We'll come in and we'll sing Easter songs and we'll watch Easter programs and we'll listen to Easter sermons, but we don't want to die with him. I haven't got an old mind in a while. Woo! Man. Caught me. I got an old mind for Mike. Let me tell you something. Our problem is we want somebody else to pay the tab. If it's not Jesus that we're looking at, we're looking at mama and daddy. We're looking at grandma and grandpa. We're looking at the pastor. Oh, I come to church and I give up my day to sit in the house of God and I let the preacher yell at me and he sits on the stage and stomps on my feet. I got news for you. That don't make you free. You have to die. The only way we ever get freedom is to do away with life. Not talking about physical death. Jesus died the physical death. He shed the physical blood. I'm talking about emotional. I'm talking about dying to our flesh. You know, you were born into sin. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We, we were born into a life that by nature we sin. Oh, if you, if you can't understand that, parents, we, we understand that. Did any of us teach our kids how to say no? My kids, just, I think Michael came out saying no. Nope. Anthony came out crossing his arms going. Anthony was a moody little baby. Still is. But I didn't have to teach them to say no. I didn't have to teach them to do the things that they're not supposed to do. I taught them enough bad habits, but there were some bad habits I didn't have to teach them. I, I, I tried to hide the fact that, that I was a bit of a pyromaniac. Till all of a sudden, one day I hear my, I hear Anthony running down the stairs saying, hey, Em, let's go blow stuff up. And they had a bunch of firecrackers and they were blowing things up in the front yard. I didn't teach them that. It was in their genes. It, it, was, it was in their heritage. I, I, I may have told them some stories, but I didn't teach my boys to drive crazy. It was in their genes. I drove crazy. Both of their grandfathers drove crazy. Both of their granddads were racers, street racers. Both of my sons were wannabe street racers. I was a wannabe street racer. But it, I didn't teach. It was their heritage. It was their nature. For them to have freedom from me, they have to die to those things. See, our nature is to sin. But Paul here says that we have to die to the flesh. How do you die to the flesh? Well,
First thing, quit only quit only studying and talk about the things you don't like. I don't like vegetables. Therefore, I'm going to start a religion where vegetables are sinful. Thou shalt not eat broccoli. Thou shalt not eat cauliflower. And I can preach about the evils of cauliflower. I can preach about the evils of broccoli. I can preach about the evils of Brussels sprouts. You know what? Don't make, don't tell me I need to preach about the evils of fried chicken. Don't tell me I got to preach about the evils of nice char-cooked steak. Ooh. Now, don't tell me I can't have my Tommy burger. You know what a Tommy burger is? That's a McDouble at McDonald's and a McChicken. Pull that thing apart and put them together. Two slabs of whatever meat that is and a slab of chicken, that's a Tommy burger right there. Now, I, I, I talk about food and we go, but you know we do the same thing in church. Oh, you can't kill and you can't steal and you can't commit adultery and you can't do this, you can't do that, but don't talk about gluttony. Don't talk about slothfulness and laziness. I saw a thing on Facebook on one of the minister's pages that I'm on. It says, why do we preach against some things but we never preach against gluttony? And I almost went on and posted because we're too guilty to preach about it. See, see, our problem is we only want to die to the things we want to die to. That's not dying. We just want to be sick. That's why we're That's why we're sick spiritually, because we've never let ourselves die spiritually. We haven't died to the flesh enough to live in Christ, so now we have this weird, awkward, terminal illness in the flesh, and we still got a few things we hold on to, and a few things we let we won't let go of, and we wonder why God can't give us freedom and victory and power in the Spirit. It's because we won't let go and die to the flesh. The altar is not a place of tears. It's not a place to kneel down an altar is a place to die. It is a place of death. Read the Old Testament. Find out what happened at altars. Something died. Altars wasn't wet with tears. They were wet with blood. And now we've made them fashionable pieces of furniture that we hold sacred in the house of God. And we don't even know what it means to die in it. The price of freedom is death. Now, I got some good news for you, and I've shared this a little bit already. It was paid by Christ. It says, knowing Christ that has been raised from the dead dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to Christ has paid the bloody price. 
Christ has paid the bloody Christ. I'm not up here preaching today that we need to line up at the cross and get a knife. I mean, line up at the altar and get a knife. Kill everybody. Oh, I bet nobody come to church then. I'm not talking about a physical death. Because Christ paid that. Let me take just a minute out of this sermon to remind you that the price that the price for our life, the price for eternal freedom, the price for victory wasn't paid by your mama, it wasn't paid by your grandma, it wasn't paid by your pastor. It was paid by the son of God himself. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. The price of sin was paid when Jesus, guilty of nothing, allowed them to try him, beat him, spit on him, crucify him, and lay him in a borrowed tomb. That's our victory. That's the price of admission. But how do we live it? How? Do we exist in the freedom that has been paid for us? Price is death, paid by Christ, lived out by faith. Here's what he says. Or do you not know, as many of us that were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Newness of life. When you give your heart to the Lord, you shouldn't walk out of the building the same way you came. You shouldn't be doing the same things you did before, after. When you give your heart to God, you change. Pastor, it doesn't say change. No, it says that we walk in newness of life. You ever bought a new car? New car to you. Bought a new car to you because I sold you one. And, and all of a sudden you get in that car and the first thing you got to do is you got to look around and find out where the light switches are. You got you to figure out where the radio dials are. Unless you're Dwayne and buys the car off me that the radio doesn't work in. You, 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 have to, you have to find this, you have to find that. Have you ever got a new car and didn't take time to test it out before you drove it? And then you're like, oh, how do I turn the lights on? I got my dad's car the other day, trying to figure out where the key went. His car don't have a key, just has a button. We was on a men and women of action trip. Mike said, you want to drive a little bit? I'm going to rest. I said, sure. And I get in his truck, and I'm going, there's no shifter in Mike's truck. It's a knob. Weirdest thing i ever seen in my life. You, you, you gotta, 
you, you, when you get a new vehicle, it's different than the old vehicle. When you get newness of life, it's different. When we begin to understand that the price of our freedom has been paid by Christ, but it has to be lived out by faith, what that means is by faith we understand we don't have to be what we used to be. By faith we understand that we don't have to follow the evil desires we used to have. You know what we do in the church? We justify our sin. Well, I just have a bad attitude. That's the way God made me. So I'm going to come to church and I'm going to have a bad attitude. I don't like anything. I'm just a pessimist at heart. You're not. You need to do away with that sinful nature. Oh, my. Anyway. uh, (laughs) You. All of a sudden, we've got to come to an understanding that we're not bound to be who we used to be. I was a liar. I don't have to be a liar anymore. You may have been a cheater. You don't have to be a cheater anymore. You may have had a bad attitude. You don't have to have a bad attitude anymore. You may have been damaged and hurt and wounded but you don't have to be damaged and hurt and wounded anymore because the price has been paid and by faith we have joined together with Christ in the burial and death burial and resurrection to newness of life praise God every day I come from we, 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 we're, we're still super tight super close I think we drive my wife crazy. Me and my mom and dad, we talk on the phone every day. Praise God. My boys, same thing. Anthony talks to me every day. Michael talks to her every day. They cross over once in a while. Every once in a while, I get to talk to Michael when he needs money. And every once in a while, Beth gets to talk to Anthony when he needs a recipe. And that seems to be the way it works. But but we we had this tight knit family. Understand? But if you right, hey, we can. I did grow up in a church. Not only in the church, but in the pastor's in the fishbowl. Everything in my life has been on display for everybody to see. I've had the conversations with my mom and dad growing up. Tommy, you're the pastor's kid. What you do is noticed. You you, you have to be different. I, I, I've been there. I've been there when church people were evil. And church people were sinful. And church people attacked my family. I've been there at times when we were going through a church battle and, and, and it got so wicked that I actually drove in front of a man's house, parked my truck, and got out and held a brick in my hand that I was going to throw through the window. 
God, I didn't. In this Christ. How can I go through all of that in my lifetime and then devote the rest of my lifetime to serving people? Sometimes follow the same paths. Because not giving myself. My freedom doesn't come by you being happy with me. I've been your pastor long enough. Most of you know I get bothered if somebody leaves. I'm bothered if somebody doesn't want to come to our church. But I'm like, okay. I want you to be blessed. If somebody doesn't like something I do, I've had it happen in this church where somebody's talked to me and said, Pastor, I don't agree with this, that, or the other. And I said, well, I appreciate you sharing that, your, your, your view, but I'm the pastor and we're going to do it that way. Sorry. It's the way I operate. I'll know that. Why is that the way I operate? Because God's got this. Because God called me because people can't change those two things. I serve God. I serve God. I don't serve people. I have died to that part of me that is so naturally inborn in me to make people happy. I don't know if you guys really understand how naturally ingrained it is in my life that I've got, everybody's got to like me. I've got to be the center of attention. I've got to be the one that makes everybody laugh. i got to be the one that, oh, Pastor Tommy, he was. <laughs> and when it's not that way, it destroys me. But that is the old me. And I have to, by faith, walk and understand that God called me to be the leader I need to be. And I'm not here to make people happy. But rather, I'm here to make him happy. My freedom is from my past. He says that we live in the newness of life. Then he goes on. For if we have been united together, In the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. Knowing this that we've joined with him in crucifixion. That the old man would be so that we are no longer slaves to sin. If we're not a slave, then what are we? Free. If you're not a slave, you're free. Then why in the world do we walk around acting like we're a slave to Christianity? We're slaves to tradition. We're slaves to religion. We are no longer slaves, but free. We're free from all that junk. We're free from the condemnation. We're free. Because we're free, does that mean that we can go do anything we want? Because when the old man has died, 
The old man was the man born in sin. The new man, new man is born to the life of the Spirit. The old man desires sin. The new man desires peace. The old man desires death. The new man desires life. The old man desire, desires deception. The new man desires truth. When we began to walk no longer slave to sin, but free in the power of God, now we walk with the understanding that sin has been defeated. Temptation. Oh, it shows up. But it don't matter. I started this sermon telling a story about how that I got clocked for doing 75, 55. That was not the fastest speed I ever drove. When I was a young man, I liked speed. Everywhere I went, I drove fast. We went to my brother-in-law's wedding in Montana, and in those days, Montana... Speed limit sign said safe, reasonable speed. It's 125, isn't it? My wife was six months pregnant, and I'm running 125 down the highway. Found out my crews wouldn't engage over 99. When I slowed down from 125, I set the crews at 99 miles an hour. But something happened on that trip. We got back to Missouri. We were living in St. Louis. We got back to Missouri, and we were between Kansas City and St. Louis. Speed limit was 55. I was probably running 65 or 70. And a little light rain began. And I went around a small curve, and the next thing I know, my car was spinning. Sliding off into the center medium. I think we went, did we go to the ditch? We went one side of the other. Ditch. Best says ditch. Trust me. We went to the ditch. Slid to a stop. Stop up. Next to the Didn't see my wife. Some of you have traveled. And most of you know that I said three miles an hour over the speed. Three miles an hour over the speed. Now, we may hit, we may drive in every lane I can see. We only, I only run three miles an hour over the speed limit. You know why? Number one, I don't want to wreck my car. Number two, I finally got my insurance down where I'm not paying for tickets. Took me a long time. The older I get, the more I'm noticing. I I looked down the other day. I wasn't even paying attention. I looked down. I was going through Main Street, and I was only running 23 miles an hour. That's where I used to struggle because I'd do good on the highway, but in town I'd run 45, 50. You know, and it's only 25. You know what's happening? The old man. The 
the new man. You know what I'm free from? I'm free from wreck. For the most part, I haven't had a wreck in my life. I'm free from tickets. It's been, it's been, okay, I've got one ticket since I've been here. But it's been, and before that, it was five or six years before that. And, and, and all of a sudden, my life, I, I don't worry about you until I get in the car and somebody else is driving. And I'm like, okay, here's the rules. Driving my car is three miles an hour over there. You're going to get a ticket. You're going to pay it. Now let's bring that into spiritual. When we live out by faith, we have newness of life. That flesh is killed. Walk no longer saves Then when those temptations then when hard times come, we pray, seek. We know. We're not worried about our anger. We're not worried about jealousy. We're not worried about all the other things that used to creep up in our life. But now, we're free. There's a peace in that freedom. There's a peace in our heart that directs our steps. And listen to this. I'm going to skip over where we're talking about what Jesus as we already preached about. Look at verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead in sin, alive to, Christ, to God. What does that mean? Reckon yourself. Reconcile. I know this is something a bunch of us younger people don't do. You ever reconcile a checkbook? You should. Okay? Helps. I don't actually do it very often, but we should. I reconciled the checkbook this week, and I thought, oh, man, wish I'd have done this two months ago. Uh, but um, it says that we need to reckon ourselves to the death of Christ. We reconcile ourselves with the fact that Jesus paid the price. We align ourselves. We make sure that we are correct with his death. Because if we become correct with his death, walking life. If we can come, become correct with his death, we can walk in his life. What is the price of freedom? The death of Christ. Price of freedom is our faith to join him in that death, burial, and When we trust God enough to die with him, the old man is gone, the new has come. We 
go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you right now. Lord, we thank you and we praise you for your power, for your anointing, for your peace. And Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts and fulfill the price of our freedom. Let us reconcile ourselves to your death. Move in your life. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. Amen. Be back tonight at 6 o'clock for our prayer service. Shake hands, be friendly, tell somebody you love them, everybody God loves them, you're dismissed.